I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. I'm joined by Gary Bond, Chief Executive of the TURN Framework from the Savings and Investment Alliance, TISA. TURN stands for TISA Universal Reporting Network. Uh, first and most obvious question, Gary, what is the Universal Reporting Network? It's a blockchain solution right, for the whole of the industry to use. And its primary basis at the moment is for the collection and dissemination of fund-related data. Uh, whether that be regulatory or fund static data across the piece. And what benefit does TURN, the TISA Universal Reporting Network, bring as opposed to any other way of fulfilling that requirement? In effect, TURN is an industry-owned solution. So the biggest benefit was it is actually created by the industry for the industry. And that goes all the way through the life vein of how we operate this business. So in terms of the board is made up of all the people who are signed up, the heavyweights, in terms of being a client base, and also some really neat uh, observers in terms of industry associations, which we're currently recruiting at the moment. So it's different because it's not proprietary. The costs that we charge are to recover the costs of, of running the entity. So we're not out here to make a profit. Uh, we view data as a commodity that should be owned by the industry themselves. When you say you're not out there to make a profit, obviously you have to charge something, but is, is this a more cost-effective solution for asset managers? Yes. I mean, we, we've got quite an extensive vision, which we want to deliver over the next two years by the end of 2021. So it's less than two years. Uh, but effectively, we want to address the yields of fund static data, of fund pricing and corporate actions, which cause enormous headaches both in terms of paying very expensive invoices from data vendors, etc., uh, but also operational cost. And let's not forget that any mistakes that are made are obviously borne potentially by the end investor. You could be investing in something that's not entirely accurate in terms of costs and charges or any characteristics that make up that fund. We've got to get the data right. Our vision has a roadmap which takes us uh, slowly but steadily along that path starting with EMT2 costs and charges, which we're live with at the moment under MIFID. And then our next release, our founding member committee, is committed to EPT, the PRIPS, and the feedback template. All of which have standards which TISA has kind of corralled the industry into, uh, into creating and registering with a nice neutral body called Fintetex under a farmer. This is something that the industry is managing for itself it's something that's going to be more cost effective is this something that came about just as a response to regulatory pressure or is this something that you you were working to evolve anyway in the first case it was under tizer so tizer is brilliant in terms of it's got a very big span of membership it's not a vertical it's across the whole industry and when emt2 costs and charges came up as an agenda item Deutsche Bank, uh, Fidelity and BlackRock got together in the first instance and said, why don't we create a standard, logic with Fintetex, and then effectively we can all use the same data definitions, etc. They then pushed us for, why don't you, Tizer, go out there and look for an IT solution? And what is this new thing called blockchain? Is this, is this something that we can uh, adopt and does this lend itself nicely to this kind of requirement? 
When I came on board at the back end of last year, it was in the middle of the RFP process. We were going out to tender with a bunch of data vendors and some technology providers. And that's when we drew it back to say, what is it we're actually trying to create? And is it just about EMT2 costs and charges? Uh, referencing my old role uh, in Fidelity, CIO, I remember data just being the biggest bugbear of mine in terms of costs and in terms of accuracy, redress for clients, etc. So I asked the steering group. So I took the challenge on of saying, well, okay, we will go and find a vendor that's suitable for this. But actually, we need to go back to square one and look at what it is we're trying to create. And there are three things. One is it has to be owned and run by the industry. Okay. Uh, as I said, data is a commodity. We all own it. We should all you know, have a part to play around the table. The second thing is whatever solution we come out with has to be digitally neutral. Okay. Anyone should be able to access it. We shouldn't be able to create this centralized database that's going to create IP or a saleable asset at the end of it. And the third part was it's the not-for-profit. Because we all own this, actually, we just want to implement a decent bit of infrastructure that allows the collection and dissemination of data. And we will all run the strategy, we'll run it operationally through governance, etc. And that's exactly what we wanted to create. So when I went back to the RFP process, it only actually gave us a couple of options when you applied those three principles. And Atos were picked primarily because their credentials speak for themselves. I mean, they're they're all over the industry in terms of big, sizable contracts with the likes of Aegon and Aberdeen Standard, so they know our industry very well. They did the 2012 Olympics, so they're not frightened of scale. (laughs) And in terms of blockchain, they've got enormous credentials with a plethora of different uh, blockchain uh, technologies they can apply. And they've delivered on time and to requirements. So our founding member committee, our users, define the requirements. And then effectively, our founding member committee signed it off into production. This is something that's under the bonnet of the asset management industry. What does it mean for me as a customer of that industry, as an investor? First and foremost, when you add up the vision in terms of all the regulatory requirements, which include, as I said, the PRIPs, the feedback template, the EMT, this mega trend that we're all going through at the moment called ESG, and then add corporate actions and fund pricing and fund static data. If we get this solution right, when we get this solution right, this will reduce data costs between 80 and 90%. So the first thing, the option of the asset managers is they can pass those benefits down in terms of reduction of charges to the end consumer. The second thing is, is a lot around control. If you can imagine how this blockchain works, every asset manager would have their own node. So they're they're putting their data onto the node. Now there's two points. All these nodes will add up and there's another community called distributors, platforms, direct businesses, who will come on and they can, if they spot an error, they can raise a flag on the system. And that flag on the system will be, you know, um, co-funds, for example, who said that actually we've spotted that this is an error it looks like an error because of the disparity in nature of between what you said last week and this week. And then there's a flag on the system. The whole community can see that flag. So now there's a warning that there might be something wrong with that data. Okay, so take it at your own peril. But the asset manager gets an email straight away with a specific query and gets two business days to resolve that query. If they take any longer, it, might, it means that actually they cannot sell that fund or that particular item. So it actually controls them a bit more. 
in terms of so you've got some steps in there to a bit of grit in the system to say that is that data correct or not but let's just say it doesn't pass muster and six months down the line there's a redress this is a very simple ecosystem if someone actually spots an error six months down the line and it's something to do with a particular asset manager we can wind their specific node back until the point where we can find where that data went wrong why that's important for the customer is that once we know what where it went wrong how it went wrong we can notify the distributors of that date range of when that ISIM was sold to market. They can do analysis of what customers have bought it, and then redress can happen in an accurate nature. So this system, would you be looking to expand it geographically as well, in terms of those people who use it? So our goal at the moment is to get 80% coverage across Europe, okay? and that includes Switzerland as well. So that's our first goal by the end of 2021. There is, if we achieve, if we achieve that goal, and there's no reason to say why well, we wouldn't because we're already at 10% coverage as it stands at the moment, and we've only been live three weeks, is that we will look at Asia and the US markets. But between now and then, a lot might happen in those markets. But you know, that's something that the board will adjudicate on um, in the November 26th board. Gary Bond, Chief Executive of the Turn Framework from the Savings and Investment Alliance. Thank you very much indeed.